0: Chapter 25 of Campfire Girls in the Country by Stella M. Francis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. She hit the mark. Mrs. Hutchins and the campfire girls went back to bed, but there was little sleep for any of them before daylight. With the rising of the sun they were out again, and a tired and haggard company of feminine campers they were. There was little spirit in the camp. Every one of the campers felt as if she had lost out in the battle of life, and there was nothing more ahead of her but gloom. There was not one of the girls who did not love Aunt Hannah as if she had been a lifelong friend of hers. The burden of her loss was felt by the whole camp. Perhaps it was the dreadfulness of this new blow, and the suffering that it must inflict upon Mrs. Hutchins, that caused the girls to realize how great their affection for her had become in the few days most of them had known her. Nobody thought of breakfast for an hour or two after the last girl in bed had arisen. They gathered together in groups, or all together, and discussed the events of the night, but not one of them suggested a possibility that anything might turn up which would throw a more hopeful light on the actual resulting conditions. What was the use? The men had got possession of the treasure they sought, and the outlook for its recovery was poor indeed. At daybreak Mr. Mackenzie appeared at the camp, and announced that he was going back to his house, and telephoned to the sheriff information of the latest robbery. This seemed to be about all that could be done, and was the only hopeful feature of the conversation that followed his departure. More than an hour elapsed before any of the girls or Mrs. Hutchins thought of suggesting that they examine the trail left by the tent burglars in their departure. The suggestion arose as a result of a remark made by Catherine Crane. "'If you shot one of those men,' she said, "'I'd like to have the satisfaction of knowing it. I wonder if we couldn't find a trail of blood on the ground. That might be worth something.' The sheriff might like to know about it if such a trail exists. "'It wouldn't run very far,' Mrs. Hutchins said. "'They no doubt stopped the flow of blood if one of them was wounded before they got very far. However, let's satisfy our curiosity and see what we can find.' Mrs. Hutchins indicated the direction the men had taken, and all started out on a search. The ground was examined a distance of fifty yards from the tent, and sure enough, close to a spring rivulet which splashed down a rocky steep toward the main stream in the form of a miniature cascade, was found the beginning of a trail of foreign spots on the grass and weed leaves. These spots were almost of a dull brown now, as a result of their exposure to the atmosphere and chemical action between them and the vegetation on which they rested. All the girls rushed to the spot as Harriet Newcomb excitedly announced her discovery of the trail. As they were examining the spots to see in what direction they led, Violet Monday announced a new discovery in a manner that thrilled all present as nothing else could have done. "'Oh, I've found it! I've found it!' she exclaimed. And the way she began to leap down the steep descent along the succession of tiny waterfalls— was a sight to make one's heart throb in expectant unison. Nobody else saw the object of her interest until she reached it. Fifty feet from the point where she began her descent, she stopped and leaned over and picked up what appeared to be the long metal box that had been recovered from the fireplace in the abandoned hotel in the course of the thrilling adventures of the night just past. "'You shot the man who carried the box, and he dropped it, and it fell down here,' violet explained in shrill tones the bullet must have hit him in the arm and made him drop the box and they didn't dare stop to hunt for it because they were afraid of more bullets that seemed the only solution and months afterward when the robbers were captured and forced to confess it proved to be essentially true but the treasure was not all in the box as it tumbled down the hill the lid had been knocked open and most of the papers were scattered in all directions. Now began a diligent search for the bonds and other papers scattered along the course taken by the tumbling box. Most of them were soon discovered, but the search was continued several hours, in order that none might be missed, as Mrs. Hutchins had no list against which to make a check and determine just what the box had contained. But at last they decided there was no good reason for hunting longer, and returned to camp, it was breakfast time. Yes, long past breakfast time, after nine o'clock. Hungry? They surely were and had a right to be. There was no system about the preparation of the morning meal this time. Everybody got busy, and when at last they sat down, it would have been hard indeed to find a more deservingly happy company of tired and famished campfire girls. Next day, Hazel had a long talk with her aunt over the events of the last few days. In the course of the conversation, she said, "'Do you remember, Aunt Hannah, that night before last, when our conversation was interrupted by that shooting, you were telling me how you walked in your sleep when you were a young girl, and you were at the place in your story where the springboard broke just as the first shot was fired? Who was the young man that rescued you?' THE MAN WHOM I SUBSEQUENTLY MARRIED, YOUR UNCLE Edmund," Aunt Hannah replied. Near the end of their conversation, Hazel commented at length on the remarkable adventures the members of Flamingo Campfire had had, and expressed a wonder if they would ever go through other experiences as thrilling as recent ones had been. Doubtless her wonder would have been calmed very much if she could have looked ahead and caught but the faintest motion picture of new adventures in store for them before the close of the present summer season, which will be found presented in narrative form in another volume of this series entitled Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes or The Quest of a Summer Vacation End of Chapter twenty five End of Campfire Girls in the Country or The Secret Aunt Hannah Forgot by Stella M. Francis. Recording by Leanne Howlett.